0: This is the Bainwall Podcast with Marty Solomon. I'm his co-host Brent Billings. Today we continue our review of The Chosen with a discussion on the fourth episode. Our full analysis and breakdown of The Chosen, Marty.
1: So bring us to halfway through season one. Yeah. Hopefully our listeners are hanging with us. Ooh, what a fun experiment. Hopefully people are watching before um, watching <laughs> along
0: with us. That, that would be ideal. <laughs> uh yeah absolutely because we are like we are going through scene by scene we're covering the whole episode but it's a a very different experience than watching it like i cannot emphasize enough if you have somehow made it to this point and have not actually watched any of the chosen (laughs) please
1: (laughs) just just stop this
0: episode and go go watch because it is great
1: absolutely i wasn't sure how you were going to lead us through this experience brent but you've you've done a good job scene by scene you we have not left anything out i wasn't sure if we we're just gonna hit hot spots or what we we're gonna do but this has worked yeah i don't i don't know how this happened it's just sort of
0: it's just sort of how it came out but i did do something for the first time with this episode uh that i hadn't done so the first three episodes on the special edition discs include commentary tracks with the director and writers and uh, one of the actors in the case of episode three. And uh, so I've been, I've been watching with those commentary tracks in addition to my normal watch through. And then um, episode four doesn't have one of those commentary tracks. So they have these other things called insight tracks and they're like scripture references and other commentary and stuff. And so I watched this episode with that insight track on, and it's like, it looks like subtitles and they're going through and it. Is the worst thing I've ever seen.
1: <laughs> we finally found something that we're like garbage. I,
0: I don't. It, there's no possible way that the people who are doing this insight track have anything to do with the production of the rest of the show, because it is just <laughs> like all the scriptures that they bring up are all of the like s- pulled out of context, proof text nonsense things that I grew up knowing. Like, <laughs> like if you have no. Like there are a few good insights about different things, uh, geographical uh, points that they they bring out. Like there's a few good things in there, but if you're completely unfamiliar with any of this stuff, this insight track is going to do way more harm than good. Oh well, goodness! Like it is, it is almost completely worthless. And it is, I've got a, I've got one that I'm going to pull out at the end of the episode that I'm going to actually like use as an example. It is it is just <laughs> so <laughs> cheesy. It's like some like in between the scriptures, like some dude is just like oh, making snarky comments as if he's a, a narrator for the episode or something. It's so bad. <laughs> it's so bad.
1: Look out, folks. Forget you make Brent Billings mad.
0: Whoa, just forget man. about the inside tracks. Do not bother.
1: I <laughs> I suffered so you don't have to. <laughs> I oh, love it. All right, I cannot wait. Now I'm now I'm anxious. Let's do it. Get us into the opening scene. Let's go. All right, hitting that spoiler horn now.
0: So, uh episode starts out, uh they're on a boat at night. The Roman soldiers are out there with Simon. Uh he spots the fishing bobber in the water. They go over there. He pulls it out. It has a Z on it. Uh, and I, I don't know how you actually say that. I'm assuming it's, it's pronounced something like a Z. But the, it's the Hebrew letter. And uh, and he he kind of seems like maybe he's having second thoughts because he realizes, like, oh, this is Zebedee. This is somebody I know. And, like, now I'm here, and I'm not sure I really want to do this. And so he's looking around and, and tells the, the Romans to go hard to port, and they're apparently so dumb when it comes to seafaring, that they don't even know what port is, um, so he's he tells them like, oh, that way. And then uh, I noticed on on actually my third time watching this episode that right before they hit the sandbar, Simon grabs the side of the boat because yep. he knows they're about to hit it. Yep, which I thought was a great little great little detail, and I'm glad I caught that. The credits roll, and then um, and then we're back on shore uh, with the soldiers. Simon's uh, the soldiers thought Simon sabotaged them, and he's like, "No, no, it's just an accident. It Happens all the time, you know." And then uh, you know the soldiers. One of the soldiers cut Simon's ear out of out of their idea of kindness, and uh, they kind of exchanged some threats and whatever. And
1: I do have to say, I am concerned that that's a setup for. You know how, how many seasons? Seven seasons? Eight seasons? Whatever they said they were going to. Seven seasons, yeah. Uh, I'm I'm concerned that's going to be a setup for Roman soldiers in the garden later. I'm just, I'm saying this out loud at the beginning of this because uh, I'm hoping that's not what they're doing because those were not Roman soldiers in that story. But nevertheless, uh, I'm I'm getting nervous about that one. Oh, it seems like a setup. It seems yeah. like you know Peter's going to chop off an ear. It will be that you know, nah, uh,
0: nah. I don't know. Can't be. Uh, maybe, Say it ain't so. Maybe they uncovered some uh, historical idea of like, oh, if you if you want to like show someone that you have the upper hand, you cut their ear and that's just, doesn't matter who you are. That's just what everybody does. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> but yes, yeah, so, uh, it's probably, I don't know. I mean, they, they haven't written that yet. So they still have plenty yeah. of time to redeem yeah. themselves.
1: Absolutely. And it's the servant of the high priest that can't be a Roman soldier. Nevertheless, okay.
0: Yeah, so um, so then we jump to Simon and Andrew in the in the bar. Um, they're meeting with Zebedee and his sons, and Simon's like, Look, I made a deal with the Romans. The sons kinda like jump out of their seats. Zebedee is maybe a little more patient about the idea. Um, but eventually Zebedee's just not buying Simon's whole idea. Um he he gets up and starts to leave and Simon's like, No, let me explain what happened last night. You know, we were we were practically in your wake and I led them astray and I've got this plan about how we can do this. Uh, but Zebedee doesn't go for it.
1: Yeah, and yeah. and and we already know how Marty feels about the whole Peter Beck story thing, but I you know, they did a good yeah, you know, I, I think that really is the feel of blue collar, Galilee, fishermen. I liked how that scene, like, feels, if I can say that. I'm not a feeler, but if I could say I like how that scene feels. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm not a fan of the Peter backstory about him being, like, the scoundrel, but I, I do I, – I like the interplay here of, of fishermen. I'm not even sure how I feel about the whole fishing on Shabbat narrative line, but, I I mean, if it's – if there's a potential, they've done that well too. So, you know, whatever. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Uh- so then we go to
0: Matthew visiting Quintus, and uh, Quintus is going on and on, and he's uh, uh, he's commenting on like, oh, there's there's such good food around here, and
1: everything that grows here is immaculate, except the people. You're such a miserable lot, you worship one God and yet you're all divided.
0: And so he he theorizes like, oh, the Jews just want a reason to complain. They want to be subjugated. Um uh, Quintus says, you know, I need you to I need you to follow Matthew says to Matthew, I need you to follow Simon. He says he can't do it because he's not accepted by the people. Like there's no way he can just like be sitting at the next table uh to Simon at the bar because he's not even allowed in the bar. Like just nobody accepts him. He's like tax collectors are worse than the Romans. And you know, the guy starts to draw his sword or whatever. And he's like, no, 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 no. You didn't have a choice to be a Roman. I chose to be this way. Like I've he betrayed my people. And Quintus is like, it doesn't matter. Like just dress up, do whatever you have to do. Write everything down.
1: Yeah. I did love that whole, uh, uh, yeah, that whole scene was great. Everything from the, the fruit and the food um, In that setting, that first culture, the first century culture, like I did love the, the way the Romans perceived the Jews, the the, the comment about they're always arguing, uh, one God, so many – I just – yeah, everything about that was uh, so Roman, so typical, tax collector stigma. And as much as I hate the Peter story, I just love the Matthew backstory, just as much speculation. But, man, I just love how they keep working that in and who he is and how it plays into – Rome's hand and, and what he has to offer. I love that scene. It was great. So then we're,
0: uh, you know, after episode three, where it was just Jesus, um, as far as our regular characters, they're kind of quickly bringing everyone we know from the first couple episodes back in. Uh, we go to Nicodemus and his, uh, his other teachers, his crew discussing like, Oh, John the Baptist, there's this this guy out there and he's preaching this baptism of repentance. And he called us snakes, (laughs) And Nicodemus is like, yeah, well, the worst
1: part of the whole thing, yeah. like in light of all the things that are going wrong in their worldview, you don't understand the worst part of it. He called us name anyway.
0: <laughs> and Nicodemus is like, well, it could be even worse than that, depending on who he is. And he's, you know, trying to ask some questions about it. And, uh, he, he says like, oh, heard, heard someone presented a list of evils done by Herod Antipas. Maybe it was this guy who did that. Um do we know if he's performing miracles so they just have lots of questions about this
1: i was uh, I, if there's anything that surprised me I, I felt a little surprised that they would be unfamiliar with some of the things that i think i would qualify as s scene um but john again i think we said this in the podcast john is definitely uh a high highly hotly influenced by the s scenes and yet doing things in a way that's very un-s scene and so the fact that he's out in the desert, offering like a more Essene baptism, and I, I do like how they pointed out it's a baptism of repentance. It's not a Pharisee baptism. It's not a ritual cleansing. He's off, he's offering people a baptism uh, connected to the forgiveness of sins. Uh, that phrase, forgiveness of sins, may be somewhat probable, but this whole baptism, tavila Chuva, a baptism of repentance, uh, John's really doing things uh, in a slightly rogue Way that's stirring people up. It's it doesn't fit into the the cultural norms, and he's bringing this collision of all these worldviews, and it's very upsetting for the status quo. So I, I did like that.
0: So then we have uh, Simon coming home and finds Eden there with her brothers, and they're talking about how they're concerned about their emaw, uh their mom, and then uh, you know Simon kind of gets into a little bit of a fight with the brothers. And, and then Eden kind of breaks it up. She's like, look, if Simon says it's a bad time, it's a bad time. Like, I'm sure he has his reasons, but just because it's a bad time for him doesn't mean it's a bad time for me. So then the brothers leave and then Simon kind of gets a little bit honest with Eden, lays out the situation that they're in. Eden is like a little bit concerned for his life. And she's like, look, either way, I've got to, I've got to help my ema." god is with me even if you aren't and uh and and then simon comes back like look we can break a commandment to save a life our lives are at stake here and then she kind of pulls back she's like this isn't about the situation that we're in right now like where has your faith been in general
1: Where is your faith hmm? what you heard me
0: and faith isn't gonna get me more fish
1: I'm not talking about tonight. I am talking about long before tonight. You've been different. Before it was gambling, and now it's working, and trying to do everything yourself. The popular Simon, fixing everything and charming everyone all by yourself. And fishing on holy days without even thinking about it, with no respect for our God. What
0: about Bikor we can break a commandment to save a life. Our lives are at stake People here. You know
1: that because you have not pursued the Lord lately. Not like the man that I married. That is why you are stuck and you feel desperate and now you're off to try to fix it yourself again. I feel like this whole scene, what I loved about it and I have in my notes. Now again. I'm going to be open to other people's experiences and interpretations of this. I'm, you know, I'm the I'm the white guy offering commentary on this female character. So I would love to hear, uh, you know, how, how other ladies feel about her, the portrayal of Eden as Peter's wife here. But I love this because as I saw it, and I could be wrong, I saw it as this beautiful picture of the Etzer Konegdo that we talked about in session one. Like she... She has this chutzpah and she has this passion and this conviction and this fire, and she's not backing down from it. Now, she, she kind of calls Peter out and she makes sure that he's having to deal with his own consequences and like, and she's not necessarily, but she's going to go toe to toe with him. She's going to, and she's not backing down from her worship, from her faith, from her, I, I just, she has a lot of, and I don't know if, if I had different eyes or if I was a, I don't know if, if maybe some of the ladies feel like maybe she's being portrayed as too, you know, ba- but it's doing a good job of handling this first century patriarchal culture and yet still calling her into this very chutzpah-laden role. Um, I can imagine some that really lean into the patriarchal culture even today uh, probably feel like she's not being submissive enough. But uh, she is, She is, uh, you know, rejecting all that garbage. She's 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 going toe-to-toe with peter here calling out that etzer connecto that plank that help that opposes calling out of him what should be true that he's refusing to hold on to she's going to hold on to it so that that opposing force comes against him and and is present in that in that marriage i i just love that I, i love that about what i see with her in these episodes
0: yeah again her character Has impressed me substantially. And I think, you know, not having a super clear picture of who she is from the text is very helpful here in that they can build a character and not necessarily have to like fit into these specific details that we have.
1: Yeah. And I feel like they keep, I don't know if they're doing this on purpose. I feel like they're juxtaposing her against Nicodemus and, um, I just blanked on Nicodemus's wife, Zahara. Oh, Zahara. Like they keep. Juxtaposing the two of them um, because she's very, like, I don't know, kind of like by the book, has her worldly concerns, it seems like, loves the status quo, wants to leverage the status quo. And I feel like they keep juxtaposing this chutzpah laden, fiery, Galilean peasant wife and, and what she's able to bring to the table and what God's doing through her versus this, you know, this other. Uh, whatever I'll, I'll let it be at that but i i feel like there's a juxtaposition like almost back-to-back scenes in these episodes yeah that's interesting i hadn't thought about it like that and i do like the character of zahara too spe-
0: and specifically like the interaction between Nick Azimus and zahara's as, as i think we've talked about
1: before but and she'll have her moments too this isn't to say that she has nothing to bring to the table and there's only good coming from one character and only bad coming from the other but i do feel like there's some some types there that they're they're juxtaposing and I I've appreciated that.
0: Yeah, that's a good point. These characters are actually like very well fleshed out, complicated people much like you would expect someone to be in the real world. So, I think that's part of what what makes this this show so great. Yes. But specifically with Eden and Simon their relationship, I think I think I probably feel almost a little convicted or at least I just see myself in that situation because I have definitely had conversations like that with my wife when i'm trying to do stuff you know on my own and and she's coming in calling me back to like uh you know this isn't what we're supposed to be about so well uh, shame on
1: you brent i've (laughs) never had those experiences at all so i'm (laughs) shocked and Uh, (laughs) how dare you bring personal reflection into any of this Ah.
0: well we'll just see we'll just see if that comes back at all So then Simon leaves the house uh, and Andrew comes running up to him, just like sprinting completely out of breath. And he's like, we're saved. I saw him with my own eyes, the Lamb of God, you know, John, the So he pointed at him and Simon just like is not interested at all. He's like, I don't, I don't understand how this guy can help us at all.
1: I did like how it works that, you know, the passages and the verses, you have all these weird chronology you have to deal with in the gospels. Like where does Jesus call the disciples and how does the whole Andrew goes and gets Peter, but then Jesus calls Peter and Andrew while they're fishing. Like they did a really great job in the narrative here in the story of making all those pieces fit where Andrew has come and he's told Peter about Jesus But then later they're going to be at the lake when they get called. Like, they did a good job of that. I like that. Yeah, I know that that was something that they wrestled with a
0: lot as they tried to piece everything together. And, like, you know, this isn't a single gospel narrative. Like, so they necessarily have to try to harmonize things, which we have intentionally tried not to do because in a lot of ways they're not meant to be done that way. But in this case, like, you have to kind of fit everything together like that. So, yeah, and it is a struggle.
1: That's right. Yep.
0: And so Simon says, uh, I love this line. Sorry. I'm not jumping out of my sandals just because creepy John pointed at someone.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was good.
0: <laughs> Which I think, you
1: know, probably is exactly how a lot of people viewed John the Baptist. Well, and they did a great job of portraying him later in the episode to fit that bill too. Man, Yeah, he definitely. definitely has that vibe. Oh goodness. Definitely.
0: It definitely fits within the, the narrative of the show for sure. Um, but Andrew's like, you know, anything is possible. Um, if this is the Messiah and Simon just kind of walks away, he's not, not buying it at all. Um, and then Andrew turns around and spots Matthew like hiding quote unquote (laughs) around the corner, taking notes. And Matthew's like, uh, (laughs) looking pretty awkward. Um, Simon gathers up his fishing supplies. Matthew's following him like, at a very unreasonably close distance like if you're following someone this is not how you do it (laughs) to the (laughs) point where like Simon turns around and just like talks to him because like this is (laughs) this is too weird I have to acknowledge this right? and uh, Matthew's like you know Quintus is coming early you only have until tomorrow and Simon's like okay whatever tell your boss you can come get me off the water so then we have uh, Nicodemus and Zahara eating and then uh, they have they have this unexpected knock on the door, and Yusuf is there. I think it's Yusuf, right? Yeah. Yep. <laughs> I seem yep. I seem to mix up these characters pretty easily. I tried very hard to like get them all right in this episode. I don't know, uh, but he's like, look, I got some information on John the Baptizer. He's been arrested, and Nicodemus is like, what what happened there? And he says, Shmuel may have given the Romans his location. Nicodemus is concerned about this. He's like, we don't just like turn over fellow Jews to the Romans, you know, willy nilly. And so um, he's like, did the Sanhedrin order this? And uh, he's like, you know, I want to, I want to question John myself, um, but I'm also going to make sure that I talk to Shmuel about this.
1: Yeah, and I, you know, another one of the kind of the backstories that I like is how they, how they show this interaction between Shmuel and Nicodemus as teacher you know, apprentice, subordinate. Um, a, there would have been that divide in the Pharisees, in the Pharisee camp. Like, how do you deal with a character like John the Baptist? What do you do with the with the Zealots? What do you do with the Estanes? What do you do with, you know... And, and they would have been split between Hillel and Shammai, between just the complexities of their theology. So that divide, there would have been Pharisees wanting, even see that with Jesus in the Gospels, like wanting to turn him over wanting his ministry to be done wanting to make it collapse other pharisees like no it's not how we do it exactly what nicodemus said but i also like from the bits and pieces you get from nicodemus he would have been a very rare at this point of history and again not pharisees historically you know pharisees in judaism were a very um revered bunch that ended up saving judaism but for this thin slice of history where Jesus interacts with Pharisees, they're in a tumultuous time of like group development, uh, Pharisee evolution, if you will. And Nicodemus in the Gospel stories seems to really rise to this interesting. He's not your normal. He's pushing just like they're depicting him in the show. And so I, I kind of like this backstory of even his own student, even his, even Shmuel, his own you know his own apprentice doesn't he doesn't like where his teacher is going he's pushing back and he's kind of doing his own thing, kind of going a little rogue and, and, uh, definitely interesting and fitting for me. I liked that. It was uh a uh, good little moment that I missed. I think the first time I watched it, but caught the, the next few times I did.
0: Definitely. Um, uh- complicated group and and lots of lots of different characters with lots of i mean what's the what's the common saying like if you have two rabbis in a room you have five opinions or something like yep. that like
1: yeah absolutely
0: yep we definitely see that here like there are lots of different ideas about what to do with this situation
1: yep absolutely
0: yep so then we see uh simon pushing out into the water at night he's alone uh matthew is on the shore watching and uh simon pulls up his nets nothing there Prince repeat, over and over and over. He's getting more and more frustrated. He's crying out. Uh, he starts questioning the promise of Abraham. Uh, he, he's like, you he's talking to God, you redeemed us from Egypt, only to have us wander in the desert. Give us the land, only to let us be exiled in Babylon. Bring us back, only to be crushed by Rome. This is the God I've served so faithfully my entire life. You're the God I'm supposed to thank. You know, if I didn't know any better, I'd say you enjoy yanking us around like goats and can't decide whether we're chosen or not. Which one is it? Ah. And, uh, you know, in the midst of, of this like desperate prayer, Andrew shows up with Zebedee and his sons, uh, and he's like, who are you talking to? And, uh, he's like, <laughs> apparently nobody. And, yeah. uh, he's like, well, we're here to help, you know, even if you're not, um, uh, even if you're not willing to ask for help, Eden is. And so we're here, so let's, let's get to work. And so they put out the nets and they continue to come up empty And Andrew's like, look, uh, so about that, about that guy that John the Baptist told me about, um, can we talk about that again? And and Simon just shuts him down. He's like, look, I don't need a lamb. I need fish.
1: Yeah. So everything about, I love the recounting of scripture. I, I loved all that. I remember when he went out like two scenes ago, he was getting done with Matthew. And I remember Matthew saying like, this is, this is foolhardy. Like, what are you doing? Like, you're not going to catch enough fish, and and Peter has this little thing I think he says about listen, if I'm gonna get arrested by Quintus, I'm gonna if I'm gonna go down, I'm gonna go down doing the one thing that God called me to do. Which sounded really good, except where you've heard all this other backstory about Peter, like, you haven't been doing anything that God asked you to do in a lot of ways, and yet here you are, like throwing and which I just love because I related to that scene so much. Which which of us, who among us, uh wouldn't be the kind of person who has just lived, you know, maybe not an outright rebellion, but pretty much doing our own thing. And then when the going gets tough, kind of like tries to throw ourselves, like, well, I'm going to put my faith in God. And it's, well, you haven't been up to this point, but now you're going to, and yet in that whole experience, and then when Andrew comes and he wants to talk about John, even I was annoyed, like watching the, oh, come on, man, like I'm... I'm so tired of hyper-religious people. I was even mad at Andrew in the (laughs) the middle of the episode. Like, now? Now you want to talk about John the Baptist? No. No. no, Shut up. Like, just fish. Like, even I was pulled into this, like, oh, good grief. Religious fanaticism of Andrew here is driving me crazy.
0: Yeah. Love it. So then the morning comes and still no fish. And uh, Andrew says, you know, maybe Simon should escape to Egypt. Uh, as Zebedee had suggested, you know, the night before Zebedee made that, made that idea jokingly. And, and they were, you know, like, oh, Eden wouldn't want to go there. And, and he's like, oh, that's fine. You can just send her money. So, you know, by the time the morning comes around, Andrew's like, well, maybe, maybe you actually should do that. And so then they pull up another empty net and everyone is just obviously tired and frustrated. And Simon's like, look, forget it. Let's just, let's just call it. And so Jesus is on the shore talking to a group of people and they initially mistake him, uh, the group for soldiers. And, uh, he's telling Andrew, like, look, just please take care of Eden for me. And then, and then Andrew recognizes like, Oh, actually that that's Jesus, um, tries to explain it to Simon and, and they get up there and, and Simon's trying to get away. And Jesus is like, Hey, um, apparently these people can't, can't hear me? Can I stand on your boat to teach them? Which that is out of the text, but I do not understand. I've never understood in the text, and I don't understand now how him standing on the boat helped them hear him any better than they were before.
1: Well, <laughs> and then as it, as it plays out in the episode, it's kind of tricky. That They do that still to this day. It's like one of them. It's a whole lot of guides have this. It's like one of their favorite uh, tour guide parlor tricks, but it, it's all about the the acoustics of being on water i don't think it would have worked quite the way i think they would have had to have pushed out into the water a little bit but if you've ever been like around bodies of water or on particularly still bodies of water once you get out there quite a bit your voice really reverberates or even if you're on the other side of a small lake or a pond your voice really sails across the surface of that water i don't know what what it is with the physics of you know whatever but i could totally see that with still water but i just don't get the impression
0: that the water here is very still and yeah in the episode they're not pushed out to water at all but even if they were right like the sea of galilee is not that still it seems like between the disruption of the waves and and the you know the crashing, uh, not, I mean, crashing is a little bit of a dramatic term, but just the sound of the water. Like, it seems like it would mask. I, I just don't understand how it would help at all, but whatever.
1: Yeah. They, they do it day in and day out. So it's definitely a fun thing that makes all the crowds go, Ooh, well, <laughs> I mean it, the Bible's coming to life. It's, it's definitely in the text. So, you know, <laughs> <laughs> it's, yeah, it's a thing. I've heard it. It's cool.
0: All right. Well, anyway, uh, so Jesus implores Simon to stay and he's like, look, I got to go. I got stuff to do. He's like, no, no, no I've got something for you. And uh, Andrew's like, just trust me as I've trusted you. This man really is the Messiah. So Jesus and Simon kind of look at each other and they're like, okay. And then they introduce each other. um, They exchange names. And uh, so then Jesus goes on. He's like, okay, the kingdom of heaven is like this catch a fish. And, and they end up being sorted out. And at the end of the age, the angels will come and do this process and uh talks about treasures new and old, et cetera, et cetera. I, you know, goes through his teaching. Uh, I don't know if you have any specific comments about, about how they pieced that together.
1: Well, I just liked how they did the rabbinical teaching. Like they did piece together, and they do that throughout this whole season, which I like. I mean, Jesus is—like if, if you were to follow Marty around for a long time, you would hear the same material packaged in lots of different ways. So I love how they've pieced together different parts of his teaching in different ways that aren't just, like, verse by verse, quoting them out of the Gospels, keeping everything in chronological order, because that's that's very believable. Like, that's very much the case. I loved how they portrayed rabbinical teaching, where he, like, actually gets in and grabs a net. Like, here's a rabbi talking about something that you can see and touch. And it's a very Eastern lesson, an Eastern parable, um, kind of packaged in a Western way, obviously, for his Western audiences for the series. But... I, I liked all that. I thought I thought I thought to do a really good job of presenting the rabbinic teaching throughout this.
0: Well, and he even pulls Simon into it like, hey, what what happens when you put this net out and, and he kind of winks at him like he doesn't actually wink, but he's like, you know, what normally happens anyway? Yeah, right. So and that that felt like very, very much like, yeah, that that would be it wouldn't be this monolithic figure like Spouting information, it would be this dialogue, this conversation, this participatory thing.
1: Yeah, and I feel like that also built off of you know, in the last scene where the you know Zebedee and his sons come to kind of help the fishing, and and of course you know from the gospels where the story is headed, but you almost get the sense like Peter's out there on his own. Okay, now the community shows up, and now they're going to like say at least they'll catch a little bit of fish, but they don't even end up catching a little bit of fish. It was like actually, and so you get this almost like this, like, okay, God's kind of behind their lack of success here. Like, God's kind of setting this thing up. Not that we're told that in the text in any stretch of the imagination, but as far as their art that they're making here in the episode. But then there's, it almost, like, it keeps building on that as Jesus kind of has that winking moment of, you know, what normally happens with this net? Whatever's happening tonight isn't normal. Like, God is behind this whole—and yet, without it being really super tacky, I— I love the winks and the nods to uh, the setup, the divine setup to what's what's about to happen.
0: So then Jesus dismisses the crowd and he steps out of the boat and he's like, you know what, Simon, put the net in one more time. And Simon kind of like, whatever, resists a little bit. But Jesus looks at him and without saying anything, and Simon's like, okay, fine. So the, the net goes in the water and then they kind of exchange looks a little bit and then suddenly the boat like almost tips over (laughs) and Simon starts freaking out and calls for help Zebedee and his sons like hear that call and they start running down the shore through the water and uh, Matthew stands up and starts watching and he's in disbelief there's a few people left from the crowd they're surprised with whatever's going on Everyone is wrestling the the net, and they're just trying to, like—you start to see all the fish. And then they finally get the whole thing into the boat, and the boat is practically filled to the brim with fish, and Simon just can't say anything. And he, he jumps out of the boat because it seems like it's still a little unstable, so they get out of the boat, and then Simon just falls down.
1: Okay, so before you get there, okay the, the moment as that's all happening, one of my favorite, like, just cinematic moments— is like it's a it's a picture from this that kind of gets seared in my brain Um because I think it's just a beautiful representation. Is this like Jesus smiling, brimming almost to the point of just laughter at what's taking place in front of them and everybody else just scrambling to react and Jesus just sitting there like taking it all in, just enjoying it. Even at the end there, he's going to look up to the heavens and kind of be like, Almost, you see him almost whisper yeah. and utter this like "thank you."
0: And even before he looked up, he just kind of like, just like once. Once it seemed like he kind of took the whole thing in, he just nods like, "This is good."
1: Yeah, absolutely. Again, just really showing his humanity in partnership with what God's doing, but he's just in it like fully experiencing it. Like, yes, like absolutely, and that nod. I, but, I love that picture of Jesus, like I wonder how often in our world when stuff really happens when the kingdom is banging on all cylinders, and Jesus is just has this smile uh on the verge of laughter experience as all of us just try to like scramble to deal with something that's just pure god and i I loved that image that i'll I'll carry with me from that,
0: yeah that's that's beautiful, so so then Simon does get out of the boat and uh, falls down before Jesus. And he's like, you are the lamb of God. Yes. And Jesus says, I am. And he's like, depart from me. I'm a sinful man, blah, blah, blah. And he says, don't be afraid, Simon. And he's like, look, what do you want from me? Anything you ask, I will do. And, and he just says, follow me. And, uh, you know, that's, that's the moment right there, of course. And he, he turns and acknowledges Andrew. Well, Andrew as well. And, turns and says, James and John, you guys come too. And, uh, you know, they talk about being fishes of men. Uh, Well, Simon's like, hey, maybe we could do this fish thing again, like we make a good team. (laughs) And uh, he's like, no, 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 forget the fish. The fish are not important. You're going to be fishes of men.
1: From now on, I will make you fishes of men. and You are to gather as many as possible, all kinds. I will sort them out later. Yeah, absolutely. Those are my favorite statements is... All kinds. Your, your job is to get all kinds of fish. I'll sort them out later. Again, just, man, what a self-reflection. Like, just, man, to just be, I don't want to say condemnation, but, man, just we busy ourselves so much about sorting them out. It's just not our job. Our job is to get as many people into this kingdom experience, into this goodness, into this habarah, Bring them in. Bring them all in. All kinds in. Let Jesus deal with who's in, who's out. Let Jesus deal with all the blah, 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 blah. Let Jesus deal with all the details. Just go get them and bring them in. Share the goodness. Love it. Love it. So then um, this is actually before the credits, but it kind of has the
0: feel of like a, a Marvel Cinematic Universe after credit scene. You see Nicodemus enter this prison cell and you realize, like, oh, this is, this is where they're holding John the baptizer. And uh, John calls him out. John calls Nicodemus out. And he's like, uh, you seem more frightened than I am about this whole situation. And Nicodemus is like, I have questions for you about miracles. And, uh, and then that's the end. Now, if you remember.
1: Oh, yes. I want to hear this. Give it to us. The
0: insight track. So after Nicodemus says, <laughs> there's no other commentary. In this entire scene Nothing about like The his- Historicity of uh, The prison cells Like nothing about uh, There's no scripture references There's nothing There's no commentary at all In the scene And then Nicodemus says I have questions for you About miracles And then it pops up Bring it on Nico Oh, and I'm like And that's that. That was the That was the whole thing If they weren't quoting Some scripture out of context It was dumb comments like that The entire episode it was just
1: so worthless whoo you've heard it here first ladies and gentlemen brent billings bring in the fire yeah don't don't bring it
0: on with the inside track i'll just say that much (laughs) (laughs) all right well that concludes this episode marty any uh final thoughts before we before we shut her down
1: ah man nope another another good episode not my favorite favorite but it's good. I liked it. Yeah, it's. Uh, I think it's one for like the small moments, like
0: the the looks. Sure. that Jesus exchanges with people, like not necessarily the the dialogue. Like the the actors, like did a great job, just like relating to each other. I thought. I thought really that that's where this episode shined. After I watched it, you know, for the third time and had a, had a opportunity to take in some of those things that I, you know, missed the first couple times. I think that's what what really did it for me with this episode so it's good uh if you want to get a hold of marty you can find him on twitter at marty solomon i'm at eibcb and then of course you can find more details about the show at baymahdeception.com so thanks for joining us on the baymah podcast we'll talk to you again soon